This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Good evening, kia ora te whanau. Welcome to the AA Live radio show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Thank you for being out there and listening with us this evening. Now I have a wonderful guest with us today. His name is Mike. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much. Now Mike has been, and we were just having a bit of a chat, been in AA for uh, decades. How many years is it exactly, Mike? Uh, 34 years. Wow. And that sort of puts me in awe of my uh, two and a half <laughs> But together, we could be doing something pretty big. So welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come in this evening. How's your day been? What have you been up to? Um, it's been quiet. I have generally mostly a quiet life these days. It's much different to what it was from when I was drinking, which is quite pleasant, I must say. Yeah, I, I agree. People I sometimes hear in meetings say, I have a really boring life, and I think... Boring isn't quite the right way to describe it. I think serene, maybe. Peaceful, yes. Peaceful. (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but I myself uh, was surrounded by drama in which I was quite the creator. So the peaceful life, I think people, when you come into AA, don't, um, they're just not comfortable with that quiet. No, no it took me, took me quite some time. I mean, in fact, when I had my first sense of serenity, it actually bothered me quite a lot, so much that I had to go to my sponsor and ask what the heck's going on here. <laughs> no, I understand that completely. Now, Mike, I tell you what we'll do is we'll open with the serenity prayer. So if I could ask you to join me in that, that would be wonderful. God, God grant, grant me, me the, the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the, the things, things I cannot change. change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. Now, folks, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a service which involves recovering alcoholics, supporting other alcoholics who want to stop drinking. Uh, we do this through the 12 steps of recovery and 12 traditions of AA. It is based purely on volunteers. Uh, like the time that Mike and I are taking this evening to come in here, it's uh, on our own back. So this is what the fellowship is all about. It's about getting in there and doing service through your uh, through your recovery as well. But I'll read the AA preamble and that will give you another idea. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorses nor opposes any causes. 
our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And in saying that, it's not about going out and fixing everybody, is it, Mike? We have to do it ourselves. Definitely. (laughs) All right. So in regards to what we talk about tonight... Our opinions are just that, our opinions, and are not necessarily that of AA as a whole. That is true. So Mike and I will, I was going to say something wrong there, but Mike and I (laughs) will have a wee chat this evening, and uh, it's just what we think. It is not AA. Please do not, for the life of you, think that uh, we're pulling in the beliefs of other people. So folks... I am actually going to go break onto a song now. We have got a wonderful choice here from Mike. It's uh, Opus and it's Live is Life. Enjoy.
great song. Thank you. That was really good. Folks, you are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Now, Mike, could you please do us the honours of reading the Daily Reflection for us today? I certainly can do that. Daily Reflection for June the 14th, when the going gets rough. It is a design for living that works in rough going. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 15. When I came into AA, I realised that AA worked wonderfully to help keep me sober. But could it work on real life problems? Not concerned with drinking. I had my doubts. After being sober for more than two years, I got my answer. I lost my job, developed physical problems, my diabetic father lost a leg, and someone I loved left me for another. And all of this happened during a two-week period. Reality crashed in, yet AA was there to support and comfort and strengthen me. The principles I had learned during my early days of sobriety became a mainstay of my life, for not only did I come through, but I never stopped being able to help newcomers. AA taught me not to be overwhelmed, but rather to accept and understand my life as it unfolded. How pertinent is that reading to you, Mike? (laughs) Um, it is very pertinent because AA does not take away life's problems. What it does is help us to cope with them. When I would normally have gone out and had a drink to try and bury the problem or ignore the problem, what I do these days, if I'm having problems coping with it, is I'll generally go to my sponsor, have a yarn with him or another AA member because sponsors aren't always, you know, um, the relevant person to go to for a particular problem. So, yeah, so, I mean, I would never have done that in my sobriety because I was such a loner, such a withdrawn person. I mean, on my drinking day, sorry, um, such a withdrawn person. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was encouraged to do that by my sponsors. Um, and, I, yeah, it's, it's such an easy thing to do. But for some reason we fight it so hard, but, yeah. Well, I think, too, for me personally, I had people around me, but if I was to say, ask what do they know about me, there was actually a lot they didn't know about mm. me. But the end of a bottle knew everything about me as far as I was concerned. Right. So yet it's uh, that journey of managing life. That's what I've discovered in AA. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the problems don't go. But we do put them in perspective, I've found for myself. Uh, And we were talking just before the show about acceptance, folks, and that, I think, is one of the major things you learn. And that helps you get on with dealing with those dramas, well, what used to be dramas, but are actually just everyday things. Well, they are. Everybody goes through them. Sometimes we think our own troubles are, are so huge and we're the only ones who go through them, but... In reality, all we have to do is deal with what's in front of us right now, right here. And when we do that, instead of going off into the future like I did, um, it makes things so much easier. Yeah, did you spend time trying to control everything that was going to come up? Absolutely, but I think I spent more time fearing what might come up. Yes. I remember um, going to my sponsor one time and having a yarn with him, and I said, oh, God, life's so tough, and i got all this stuff going on, and, and what if this happens, and what if that happens? And he turned around and said to me, what if it doesn't? And I never even considered that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. I completely understand. I was one of those people that always had a plan. There's always a plan for the what ifs. Mm. Now I live in today, and what's coming up 
will be dealt with when it comes up. Exactly. It's such a huge learning. Why do we not remember this when we were younger? I don't know. It's where our heads are. Well, for me, yeah, it's where our heads are. And the interesting thing is that when a lot of the things that we talk about are we've come to a rock bottom when we come into AA. Everything is so huge and dramatic and we're at the jumping off point. Whereas I still remember my first drinks. I remember my first drink and I remember the years until it wasn't fun, until it was something that I necessarily needed. And when I first started, I'm sure I didn't think like I had to sort it all out. I certainly didn't feel comfortable in my skin. Mm. I didn't feel like a a part of society. And I think that is something I find uh, quite common when talking to people in the fellowship. Absolutely. I was exactly the same. I was very withdrawn. Um, I was bullied at school and I had no self-esteem, didn't think much of myself at all, Um, didn't feel comfortable around people at all. Um, I couldn't even tell you when I had my first drink because we were always allowed to have a glass of, of beer. Um, from time to time when we were kids right? And um, but I do remember my first drunk and that was at 10 years old when, um, and I was I thought it was absolutely amazing no wonder people drink gosh I mean all the fear all the insecurity just vanished and man I was bouncing off the walls I was having a great old time mm. yeah I agree it, uh, yeah you remember the first drunk that's mm. a good way of saying <laughs> it yeah. I yeah uh, yeah I remember mine too it was at a school camp actually <laughs> <laughs> I'd snuck the gin out of my aunt and uncle's house and I remember being wrapped up like a mummy with the toilet paper and going around the rooms with a torch underneath my mouth and the, mm. yeah just it was fun but uh not once until I came into AA did I think that was actually insane like that should have been a a sign of things to come yeah. but you don't think like that well I was 14 yeah. so yes. no you don't think like that you, at the time you think you're just having fun everyone else is doing it so therefore it's just fun yeah mm, it's a bit like those uh, that party that was on for the students on the weekend you know I look at that and I think oh I might be one of the old timers when I see some of them and that's yes. a terrible thing <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Okay, folks, we are going to go in for another bit of music, actually. I've uh, chosen the Neville Brothers with uh, Sister Rosa. Let me see if I can get this. Enjoy. Oh 
Welcome back. I hope you got your feet tapping a little bit then. Mike, I'd like to continue on with our discussion about how we overcome our problems in life today and compared to what we had. So, you know, for me, we talked a little bit about acceptance, living in the day. Um, Tell me, what's one of the tools that you find you use on a regular basis? Do you think you have something that you use on a daily basis to help you deal with challenges when they come up? Uh, yeah, the program, I mean. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, is, it is a tough one, particularly if you're new in, in, in the fellowship. Um, but I've learned over the years that um, when the old-timers talk about the praying and, and, and the talking with others and the getting out and doing service and all that sort of thing, um, they don't do it because they enjoy just talking about it. It, it actually does work. Um, sometimes when I have a problem, particularly if it's a problem I can't actually do anything about because my head takes me there sometimes and it's just you know one of those things, um, getting out of myself, maybe doing a bit of service or just even just going and having a chat with another person um, is, is, is something I use. And, but one of the most regular things is if life is getting really, really tough and you're um, having to deal with situations that you're not comfortable with, then I have to ask myself, um, is there anything I can actually do to make this better? And if the answer is no, then I have to try and let it go. If the answer is yes, then I need to do what I need to do. Um, but I also have to always remember, I only have to deal with what's in front of me right now. I don't have to deal with something three weeks down the track or anything like that, or, or the what-ifs, all that sort of And that's a trap that I always found myself in. I always found that I was thinking of, oh, my goodness, what if, you know... You Absolutely. Know, what if we go to World War Three, or or what if... My head can crack World War Three on its own, you know, without, without worrying about what's <laughs> going on in the real world. <laughs> no, I understand that completely. <laughs> One of the... Um, one of the things I think too that helps for me, well, being an early person, mm. is understanding the lines of that serenity prayer. Not right. being a religious person at all, but those dissecting those lines and finding the meaning behind them has helped for me quite a lot in my early sobriety. Right. I would say those things, the courage to change the things I can, right. and that sort of denotes what you've said. It comes back to the acceptance of it all, yeah. It comes back to the acceptance, and can I change this? Yes, no. Can I do anything here? No, live in the moment and and figure it out. And, yeah, it it sounds pretty simple when we do it, and I know for me I am one of those sort of people who can make something very simple very difficult. 
<laughs> yes. Um, but today, um, after all these years of practice, <laughs> I am slowly making headway. And it's, it's just one of those things, you know. Some days I can sit and, and I can, I mean, I've been around 34 years, but some days I give, wouldn't even give 34 hours justice. Yes. Hours sober justice. It, just, it, it doesn't mean that we're, we're good all the time, but it does mean we're a heck of a lot better than what we ever were before. I do say to myself, it's not perfection, it's practice. It is. And don't set yourself up to fall off the hill, Jan. It's, it's, yeah. you, you're not on the top, top of a temple, girl. You yeah. just There's one or two sayings around that I quite often use. Um, first of all, it's not a saying, but I don't believe in perfection for a start. I think it's a human concept, and it, what's perfect to one person isn't necessarily perfect to another, so I don't believe in it. Um, but there's a saying around that I, I, when I get frightened of things, when, I, when I'm afraid to do stuff, um, is a saying that I quite like, and it's everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Nice. And uh, yeah, I and like that. Some of those little sayings can be. It's amazing how some of those little sayings can be a, a real boost when you need it. Yes, because quite common. I know for myself, uh, my drinking was taking away fear. It, it was all about fear. Mm-hmm. And then was that the same for you? Oh, fear can be so consuming. I mean, it's all consuming when, it, when you're in it. And sometimes it can be really difficult to get out of it. Um, and some of the fears are, are, are so bizarre. I mean, I was 10 years old. One of my biggest fears in life was not finding a partner for the rest of my life at 10 years old. At 10 old. years old. <laughs> yeah. I know some of the bizarre things that, that can go through my head. Um, and then when I was drinking... Um, Everything would upset me. Um, if I watched the news, I, I couldn't watch the news because, you know, it was just it created too much fear, too much um, anger at, at how the world was treating everybody. I can understand but, that. But, but that comes back to me and my ego with, with me trying to control everything. And I can't control it. I have to let it go. I had to actually stop watching the news because I just found it too depressing and too too hard to watch. I actually stopped watching the news at the beginning of my sobriety yeah. and I haven't gone back to it. No, I don't. I don't need it. <laughs> No, exactly. There's nothing I can do about it. So what's the point? I mean, why should I let it upset my day when there's actually nothing I can do about it? So I try and surround myself with positive things. Um, and when, the, when, when there's negative, I try and find the positive, which is actually 180 degrees from um, what I used to be like. Because when I, I used to, if something positive happened in my life, I could always find the negative. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I, I would be the something positive happened in my life. I better have a drink for that. And um, then it would be a negative. Right. And you can, you can flip, you can live in that yeah. circle, which I must say, you know, that was the cycle. That's yeah. what they say. Yeah, it does. It, it, it is, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of it for me is, is changing my thinking. Yes. Changing my thinking. I went through a period of depression for six years. Um, and it wasn't until I had an epiphany one day that maybe if I started thinking positive, I wouldn't be feeling so bad. Um, and yeah, I was off. And I made a change for you. Oh, absolutely. made a huge change. Mm. Absolutely huge change. For me personally, part through my recovery has required medication and therapy uh, to get through a whole bunch of things, as well as the AA program. Uh, I think both have worked in, for me personally, conjunction really well. Absolutely. uh, For me to be able to see the light rather than (laughs) sit in the dark all the the time. No, that's exactly right. Medication is a a touchy point with some people, but... um, None of us, well, most of us aren't doctors and have no right to sit there and say whether a person should be on it or not. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. And I think, too, did you find when you came into the AA program 
that the relief of realising, like for myself, I found all of a sudden not having to control everything and I wasn't on my own. Uh, one of the things for me was, oh, yay, here's my people. Did you have that or did it take you a little while to get that feeling no, no. of inclusivity? No, it did take me a while. It did take me a while. I, I, when I come into AA, my first meeting was in Arrowtown and um, I remember going into the room and I remember seeing everybody there and everyone was smoking back in those days. Um, so <laughs> The room was full <laughs> And it wasn't a big room, well, it wasn't much bigger than this, this room here. But, um, and the, the one thing that, that stood out for me the most was um, everybody was sitting around chatting and everybody was happy. Everybody seemed to have their stuff together and they seemed to be comfortable. And I didn't. I was in there and I was fearful and I felt like misery and I was, you know, I just, life was just, it sucked at that point. Yes. And I wanted what they had so bad. That is the biggest memory of what I, um, but they were all happy and they treated me well. They didn't, you know, I felt terrible and I expected to be treated terrible, but they didn't treat me terribly at all. <laughs> they were really nice. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> well, that's true too because by the time we come into AA, quite often we're only being treated badly because we're in such a bad place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, that was what kept me coming back was, was the fact that um, they were so happy. Um, and, and I wanted that so much. Was it kindness as well? Was there kindness in that room for you? Of course there was. Um, there was always kindness. Um, for me, um, I, I was one of those people who, who if, I, if I had the opportunity, I would have sat in the back row and just watched what was going on. But AA back then was in small rooms and you sort of got dragged into the centre whether you liked it or not. Uh, I was lucky enough that I had people that I gelled with quite quickly uh, I don't normally make relationships very quickly. It takes me a long, long time to get the trust up to, to make I was going to say that would be yeah. a trust thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my sponsor I had when I first come into AA, um, we gelled really quickly, and it's really, there's only three people in my life that that's happened with, and he was one of them, and um, which gave me a great start. It was meant to happen then. It was absolutely meant to happen. And I look back on it and I think, my goodness, if it didn't happen the way it happened, I do wonder whether I would have stayed sober. Absolutely. Yeah. I sometimes think that too. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I did my 12, when they had my 12-step call, when they came and 12-stepped me, um, I remember I paced the house for four hours before I could make that call. I was so fearful. I had no idea what was going to happen. I was absolutely terrified. I thought they were basically going to confirm all the negative stuff I thought about myself was true. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I finally made the phone call and the people on the, uh, the man on the other end said, why do you think you have a drinking problem? And I explained to him what had happened the night before and he says, we'll be around in an hour. And again, I had to wait for that hour and I paced backwards and forwards again. And they came in and one of the first things they told me was what alcoholism was. And I had no idea what alcoholism was because I mean, I thought I did. I thought it was the old guy in the street lying down there drinking and not wanting to stop drinking. I didn't realise he couldn't. I didn't realise he didn't have a choice. And so they explained to me about the um, the mental obsession, which I related to straight away. Um, I thought about drinking all the time. And um, when I wasn't thinking about drinking, I was actually concentrating on stuff. But yeah, otherwise, I was thinking about drinking. And then when I drank, I uh, I couldn't stop. Yes. I drank till I was drunk from the time I started drinking that obsession of the mind is amazing, isn't it? it is, and absolutely. it is such a revelation when you get it in yeah, the meeting. Yes, you do, because I always thought I was going nuts. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally, I, I yeah. completely agree with you. It is quite a, uh, yeah, it is such a revelation. And so you keep coming into the rooms. You never stopped. You just kept coming. Did you? No, have a- I did have a time away from the rooms. Yes, I did. Um, and it was so subtle. It wasn't something I had planned. Um, I started working night shift in the town I was in. I only had the one meeting, so I couldn't get to that meeting. So I stopped going. Um, and then after a while, my head starts saying, oh, you don't need to go to AA. You know, you're doing all right on your own. And um, I, I never drank while I was away, but my head started going crazy. It started believing its own nonsense. Um, it's, it's the importance of meetings for me today. They, they give, my, give me a checkup from the neck up, if you like, because my head will tell me something. Uh, it'll just make up stuff sometimes. And... Um, Oh, the committee. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah I have yeah, a committee. Yeah. Basically, exactly, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Sometimes there's six around the table, sometimes there's 12. <laughs> and and, and if, if I hear it often enough, I start believing it, and next thing you know. But by the time I came back into the rooms, I was quite nutty. How long did you, did you stay away? 15 years. Wow, okay, that's a long time. Yeah, I do think it's not a way I would actually advertise that you do it because it was a, a very tough time. Um, and people around you noticed? Did they oh, ever say to you, get back into the rooms, or were they just letting you be your own person? <laughs> yeah, no, they no, they didn't say go back to the rooms. They, they were letting me be my own person. Um, I had to find my own way. If they had told me, I would have been one of those rebellious types. I oh. had to learn. But in saying that, and I'm not saying that this is the way it should be done, because it certainly isn't, um, but what that did for me was it proved how important meetings were for me on a day-to-day basis and getting my life straight, keeping my life straight and giving me the peace and serenity that I have today. It is really important because I have no peace and serenity when I try and run the world. <laughs> I, I, I get that. And I'm, yeah, you're not the first person that I've met that's come in, been away for a period of time, didn't drink in that time, but yeah, that, and was able to recognise And I find it fascinating Everybody's journey is so different, but when they do have some kind of revelation or some quite a pizzazz moment, Mm -hmm. it was meant to be because your mind was almost willing to be there at the time. It is amazing how when you look back over over my period how things have worked out and how things have just meant to be. When I got sober, I had an Al-Anon member living on one side of us and AA recovering member living on the other side of us, and I bet they were both thinking, "Gosh, I wonder when that guy's going to stay act together." How because fantastic, though! <laughs> yeah. So but you, they were there on the night that I. Your higher power was actually already sending people, but you just couldn't see them. <laughs> Basically, yes. Yes, I yes, had the same exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? When you actually step out of your own yeah. self, yeah. <laughs> get out of your own way. That's probably the better way to describe exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> It is. And what comes about and how it happens. It is amazing. Isn't it? That's amazing. That's a, that's a great story, Mike, I, I must say. It's uh, it's definitely, for me, folks that are listening out there, I learn every day and talking to, you know, having the luck of being able to talk to people like Mike, it's because I'm willing to listen to these stories and find the similarities with their stories rather than the differences so when you do listen to us you look at what's similar for, for yourself mm. rather than oh I'm not like that <laughs> uh, because there is quite a lot of us that are the same and that was one of the things I found in the room mm. was that discovery of oh, I'm not the only nutcase out there mm. 
Yeah, one of the things my sponsor used to say to me when I first came into these rooms was, because um, one of the things I did do a lot was, I've haven't done that. I never did that. I never <laughs> did that. And my sponsor told me to put a yet after it because I was certainly heading that way. Right. Yeah, I haven't done that yet, but I'm certainly heading that way. I wasn't going to be that much longer because I was in a pretty bad state by the time I come in here, as everybody is, because no one comes in here because they having a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not a social club. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a place where we go because we have a sense of desperation. Exactly. Uh, yeah, mine certainly was. I... Still to this day, I think, how did that thought come into my mind that I must look up the meetings? And it was years previously that I had seen the little ad that we run in the paper. Mm. And I thought, Alcoholics Anonymous. It is funny because I never even thought of Alcoholics Anonymous on that night or the next morning. Um, It was my mum who gave me the the numbers. Right. And so I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. And even then, I mean, my, my drinking, it wasn't my drinking that actually got me into AA. It was my behaviour because every time I drank, I behave badly. Well and, said. And um, I didn't see it. I just thought, you know. But the funny thing is that every time that happened, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd be so sorry and so remorseful and I'd make all the apologies that you make and all the promises, and I meant every single one of them. And then that very night, I'd be thinking, this time it'll be different. This time I'll have control of it. This time I'll be able to behave myself. This time I'll, I won't get drunk. I'll only have a couple. But I never managed it. Yes, it is interesting, that side of it, isn't it? It is. Uh, that's how I used to be too at the end. It's, oh, oh. I'm in the morning. No, I'm not going to do this today. Lunchtime? Ooh, <laughs> how can I, where can I go to get it? How will I get it? And drinking hour? Oh, there it is. And that was it. The relationship was sealed yeah. <laughs> for another, you know, however many hours. And, yeah, I like the fact that you talk about the behaviour because it's not the actual drinking. It is what we do when we've been drinking or are drinking or after we've been drinking. It was my behaviour that caused me to dislike who I was becoming and it was my disliking of who I was becoming that got me into the rooms. I mean, aside from the fact that I was suicidal at the, at the time, hmm. um, I really hated who I was. I hated the way I treated people, but I seemed powerless over it. Every time I drank, I treated people exactly the same way and I didn't like that. Um, do you I, like yourself today? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I'm the best version of me that I've ever been, and it's taken only 34 years, but, you know, <laughs> and I'm still growing. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, that, that we work on all the time. That's progress, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> not, You've got to have progress. Not perfection. <laughs> no progress. such thing as perfection. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to go on to a song that Mike has chosen from Zach Brown. Enjoy, folks. Pretend I don't live in it Sunshine gonna wash my blues away Had sweet love but I lost it She got too close so I fought And now I'm lost in the world Trying to find me a better way Wishing I was Deep, deep in the water somewhere Got the blue sky breeze and it don't seem fair Only worry in the world is the tide Gonna reach my chair 
Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky Never been so happy, never felt so high And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise Wrote a note, said be back in a minute Bought a boat and I sailed off in it Don't think anybody's gonna miss me anyway Mind on a permanent vacation The ocean is my only medication Wishing my condition ain't ever gonna go away Cause now I'm knee deep in the water somewhere Got the blue sky breeze blowing wind through my hair Only worry in the world is the tide gonna reach my chair Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky Never been so happy, never felt so high And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise Champagne shore Washing over me It's a sweet, sweet life Living by the salty sea One day you Could be as lost as me Change your geography Maybe you might be In the water somewhere Got the blue sky breeze Blowing wind through my hair Only worry in the world Is the tide gonna reach my chair Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky Never been so happy Never felt so high And I think I might have found me My own kind of paradise Come on in the water's nice Find yourself a little slice Grab a backpack and lunch You never know until you try When you lose yourself You find the key to paradise Thank you for that choice. That's a bit of fun. We were having a discussion about country music in general while the, that was playing and yeah, the difference between the North and the South. Folks, you are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Mike, I just wanted to ask you a little bit further into the progress of recovery and have you had any moments that have been light bulb moments for you through this time that you've sort of said to myself, "Oh, that's a okay, that's something different." There's a there's a wee bit of. There's actually two. Yeah. Um, there was a gentleman who um, he was quite a religious chap, and I had a real big problem with religion at that point, and um, used to annoy me big time. And he would come in and he would share his story. And he would share his story the same way every week, so I could just about say his story for him uh, when he came in. And this used to bother me. So I went up to my sponsor, and um, my sponsor um, said to me, we've only got our stories. He says, we're not here to entertain you, fella. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, mm, okay. Um, but anyway, sometime later, Eddie um, was sharing his story. And it was the same story, but something clicked in my head. Something he said, and I'd heard it a thousand times before, something had clicked in my head. And I went to my sponsor and I said, said about this? And he said, well, Eddie's story is exactly the same. So what's changed? 
and it was me. It was my thinking. That was a light bulb moment for me. But the other one was... It was your thinking, and it was how you perceived the situation of, of, of Eddie's just, story? Of no, this it, it was story. how I perceived how I was changing. Yes, right. How, how my mind was slowly opening, if you like. Um, but the other, the other one was um, I was at home, and I, I, I was feeling really good. I was feeling at peace and... Uh, although I didn't recognise it at the time, um, I was feeling quite serene and what haven't you. And it was so abnormal to me at that point that I had to ring my sponsor and ask him what was going on. He howled, man. He he thought it was so <laughs> funny. He says, that's serenity, mate. <laughs> and, and I thought, wow. Because <laughs> yeah. I was so used to feeling the lump in my chest and the knot in my gut and all that sort of stuff. You know, we, we, when you when you live with it all the time it becomes so familiar and when it's gone you really notice it and today it's the other way around <laughs> it's interesting I will spend time I so agree with you it's uh, I think well you came in when you were how old uh, it was just before my 23rd birthday so technically I was 22 but it was three days before my 23rd birthday that's pretty big I, I, I came in at 49 uh, four months before my 50th and one of the thoughts in my head was, oh, what am I going to do for my 50th? <laughs> like, that's supposed to be a, a massive week. I don't mean yeah. day, <laughs> I mean yeah. week. And to give that up, that's how much of the, the uh, jumping off point I was. That's my, how big my desperation was. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people do have that. I had a similar thought in as much as when they told me, when they, they, told, they explained to me what alcoholism was, and they said, if you're an alcoholic, um, you will never be able to go back drinking without it starting off from where you finished and getting worse. I said it never gets better, it only gets worse. So, um, And that meant that I'm never going to be able to drink again. And I thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> I did too. I, if I can't drink, what am I do? Because it was my life. I worked and I drank. That's it's exactly what I did. But I threw myself into AA and you know, here I am. Yeah, I, I sometimes say, say to myself, I think if I'd known I was going to walk into that lunchtime meeting on that Monday and that I would never have a drink again, or mm. not never is a big word, but, you know, I haven't had a drink since, yeah. uh, would I have, like, my alcoholic brain says to me, oh, you wouldn't have walked into that room. Why would you possibly gone into that room to have that option to never? But then the life I have today to what I had then, prior to walking into the rooms, I wouldn't change. My fear these days is that I would pick up and lose this life. Because that serenity that comes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, I can look out the window now and sit and see stuff I never saw before. I don't know about you, was a lot of your drinking sitting somewhere with friends or in in an area where you think... I did. I did most of my drinking at home. Yeah. It was either at, at my house or at a relative's house. I, I wasn't a big pub drinker. Um, it was usually at home. Well, it was cheaper. <laughs> well, there was that too. <laughs> um, but the and we would sit around and we'd talk, shoot the you know, breeze, if you like, and uh, and we'd solve the world's problems. You know, really making a contribution to life. <laughs> yes, I get that. <laughs> Sorting out all the worlds, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then we'd do it all again the next day. Yeah, because <laughs> and of nothing course, nothing ever changed. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It is, uh, uh, yeah, the insanity of that. <laughs> and to actually leave that life behind, when you say you have a peaceful, quiet life now, what do you fill it with? Um, 
I generally, we, we, I spend more time with my family. I mean, I, I'm at home. Uh, due to an injury that I had when I was uh, working, uh, I'm now off work and I haven't worked for quite some time as a result of this injury I've got. Um, and I use the program a lot to deal with that and I use a lot of other things to deal with that. My computer is a big thing. I like working on my computer and doing things on my computer and like helping my wife and, and what haven't you. Um, and generally, I, I'm, I just... I either read my, 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 my literature, I do service, um, I'm helping my wife, or I'm just working on my computer, or playing on my computer, as my wife would put it. <laughs> I, I think that might be a female thing. <laughs> that we say that. <laughs> Quite possibly. But, but I'm happy with that. I mean, I, I don't feel the need to um, do anything major to contribute to life. My job, my wife has, has health issues these days, and my job these days is to do my best to be there for her. And some days I'm good at it, some days I'm not so much. But if that's only my only contribution to my later life, then I'm quite happy with that. It's interesting listening to you talk about that. I asked you what you were doing while you were drinking, and I'm listening to you, and you're sort of talking about if that's all I'm doing to contribute to life. Whereas to me, it sounds like you're contributing a lot more to life now than you were when you were sitting at your relatives <laughs> and solving the problems of the world every night, the same problems. Mm. So it's interesting how we see this change. People say boring, quiet, serene. But I think we actually become better citizens in this world and do actually achieve more, as you say, family becomes more important. Yeah. And we are more there, present. We're present for our family, unlike we used to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely um, amazed that um, I am still married. I've been married 30, geez, 38 years um, to the same woman I was around when I was drinking. And I treated her so badly when I was drinking. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't mean to, but it was the way it worked out. And the life we have today, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And if I had to go through that drinking to get to what we have today, I'd rather not, but so be it. And I'm happy where I am today. You know, I have I have acceptance of my past is what I'm saying here. Um, and I guess that's, that's the importance of this program. It does give me acceptance of not only my past but of myself because I could never accept myself either. I was always beneath everybody else. I didn't feel think much of myself whereas today I feel I'm exactly equal with everybody else I'm not better I'm not worse I'm just equal with everybody else and you know I'm, I'm good with that yeah I love it it's great thank you so much for coming in this evening and talking about that I've really learned a lot from you tonight I, I find your story great thank you thank you Mike. Welcome, thank you Folks, I just have a couple of little bits of housework things to do, and that's just to let you know that there is no membership fees to join AA. All you need to do is have a want or even a curiosity on giving up drinking. Perhaps it's being at that place of desperation where you know you need to give it up. It's taken control of your life. Come in, sit in a meeting, and start the journey with us. Uh, we have approximately we have 14 meetings a week here in Dunedin alone, uh, lunchtime, evening meetings. Go to the AA website on aa.org.nz. Wherever you are listening to this, if you're in New Zealand, that website has a complete list of meetings across the country, times, places, 
where to go uh, and slip on into a meeting. And uh, I can say from my experience and obviously listening to Mike's that you will walk into a room where there is kindness, there is hope. Uh, and I think that's what I found in that room the first day I went in and I don't ever forget that first meeting. So please do come on in and see us. Uh, we also have Zoom meetings. Those details are also on the aa.org.nz site. If you need to reach out for help and you want to discuss your drinking or just yeah, talk about what's going on, please do not hesitate to call us on 0800 AA Works. That's 0800 229-6757. This phone line is operated by us, fellow alcoholics. <laughs> so we won't be judging you on the other end of it. We'll just be there to uh, help where we can. So please do call. That's 0800-WORKS. Uh, I'd just like to also mention we have a web address. That's uh, nz. So you can hop on there and there is a lot of literature and things to read on there. There's guidance lines and so forth. I'd like to thank you, Mike, for spending the evening with us. It has been an absolute pleasure listening to your story and how it's gone and having a chat and being so honest and open with us this evening. You're welcome. Thank you so much. So, folks, if you want to drink, that is your business. But if you want to stop, we can give you a line to help. We can help if you're open to it so please do come through those doors we're going to finish with a song this evening as I always do I want you to take care of yourselves out there folks matiwai everyone until next time have a little listen to some Coldplay Where do we go? Nobody knows I've got to say I'm on my way down God give me style and give me grace God put a smile upon my face
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.